Today's guest is the amazing Keith Dennison. Keith was 40 years young when he moved to Costa Rica with his wife and two young children in 2010 for 20 months. I think we're all interested to know how they decided to make the big move and the logistics of it all being adults with kids. Right. We are, yes, we are about to find out. Keith, thank you so much for being on the show with us today. Thanks, Miss Natasha. Great. So I want to get started with um, how did you even come up with the idea? Where did it all come from? So uh, Felice and I met in 2000. And we got married in 2002, and we really decided that we would have a smaller wedding and a bigger honeymoon. So we only had like 100 guests at our wedding, and we spent three weeks in Costa Rica, just mm -hmm. touring around to all the ecosystems. Uh, you know, we spent five days here, six days there, four days there, and just kind of like really got to know the culture and the country and totally fell in love with it. Mm -hmm. Pura vida, baby. Pura vida. <laughs> so from there... It just kind of was like a dream. I'm like, so this was 2002, and I'd just been pestering Felice over the course of the next eight years. We'd gone back in 2006 to for a VIP fly-and-by event. We almost bought some dirt in Costa Rica. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, just, just kind of went into, you know, how are we going to make this happen from my perspective? And so the connection that I had mentioned to you earlier – was that when we were going through those choice center trainings, we had to do a vision board. And right in the middle of my vision board was a big picture of the beach in Costa Rica. So what year was that? Um, your choice that was center. 2000, that was 2000, then in 2007, being in 2008. Okay, so from then on, from so so you've been pestering her since you guys basically went on your honeymoon. Right. Um, but but are you saying it wasn't really until 2008 until you were like, I need to make this happen? Well, we had talked about it, but, you know, we were already having babies. The babies came and, you know, got pregnant in 04. So the babies came in 05 and 06. So it just didn't seem like it was, you know, made sense. I think the biggest catalyst for us actually making the transition was the huge collapse, financial collapse of 08. You know, I... So I I had owned a mortgage company that mm -hmm. I lost. We had a ton of investment properties that we lost. And uh, Felice is in, she's a software executive. Uh, she's the only employee from her company that works from home. And she'd been working from home since 02. And so when it came to the point that we actually lost our primary residence, mm -hmm. um, we're like, hey, let's just make a transition and go to Costa Rica. The babies aren't in school yet. Let's just go down there for a year. Just one year. Yeah. We've been, we've been three times now, so let's just go down for a year. And so, um, you know, she was having a great year, by the way. And so we, um, yeah, we just pulled the trigger. We left, we left Las Vegas with 10 suitcases and uh, two children that were two and four. Or three and four. Wow. So yeah, three and four. So you guys, you guys turned something that was, you know, really horrible for a lot of people. And it sounds like, you know, you, you definitely had your own your own um, problems with the collapse, but you guys turned that into an amazing experience. The most amazing experience. I, I mean, the, from everything that we'll discuss, you know, about Costa Rica itself to all the amazing people uh, that, that I've met and that I'm still friends with. Um, you know, the expat community, when you go abroad, they suck you in. It's not like neighbors, like in, you know, 
in your local city where maybe you don't even know mm-hmm. your neighbors. If you're an American in a different country, you like mm-hmm. flock together. Wow. Wow. That is, that is such a cool story. Um, so, so I, I just don't understand. So you guys, you guys, you know, lose everything. Well, not lose everything, but you lose a lot, right? right. Um, finance, financially, you know, you're probably worse off than you were before, but you still somehow well, make so, it. So, so here's how it works. So we, we made it a business decision probably at the end of 2008 to mm-hmm. literally let all these them that we could. Um, and we, um, um, we just knew that there was a process that it was going to take for, in order for our primary residents to go away. And we knew about mm-hmm. how long that took. So we just stopped paying everything. So when you mm-hmm. stop paying everything and, you know, Felice is having a great year, um, you know, you accumulate, you accumulate a lot because you made that decision to stop paying. Um, I mean, it's, th- th- this podcast isn't about that, um, but it definitely what we went to Costa Rica in a very healthy financial position. And, mm-hmm. you know, the cost of living in Costa Rica is definitely not what it is in Las Vegas. Um, right. Even including the travel, which obviously the travel is an expense. Um, but actually living in Costa Rica was pretty reasonable. Okay. So we know the why. Why did you go um, that you went? Um, your wife had a job during the time. It sounds like, you know, she was able to support you. Did you, you said, I think you mentioned that you ended up finding work. Was it necessary? Or were you just kind of, were you just kind of, um, looking for something to do? Well, um, so when we first got out there, obviously we didn't have any childcare support. Yeah. So, you know, she's having to be on the phone doing demos and conference calls and whatnot. So pretty much it was my responsibility to entertain the kids from the time they got up until she was done working. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't really even have a job if I wanted to, but I didn't really want to either. You know, I just left the mortgage company and, and all that collapsed. So I was happy to take a break. I didn't even have a cell phone for the first nine months we were there. Wow. I didn't even want one. No. Um, we would get up in the morning and after we had breakfast, we lived a quarter mile from the ocean mm-hmm. up, on, up on the hill. And so we would, uh, it was a big hill too. Um, so we would take the SUV down to the beach and we would just go play on the beach for hours then go back home and have lunch. And then maybe we'd swim in the pool and then they would take naps and then we would go down and watch the sunset on the beach. And by they would take naps, you mean like you would take a nap, right? The kiddos. Oh, you, 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 you never did. (laughs) I took naps for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I would take naps. Yeah, no, I still so, think that's. So that sounds that sounds great. And so you mentioned that you guys went on a tourist visa, though. So you had to leave every ninety days and come back. Correct. That's pretty standard in Central America, um, almost every country that I know of, and I think that's even pretty close in Europe too. Is these ninety day tourist visas? So you don't have to leave the country for very long. Like literally you can go across the border and get a stamp and come right back across the border. Mm-hmm. But we, we would make a weekend out of it. Mm-hmm. So there's a, there's a beach community in Nicaragua called San Juan del Sur. And it's about a 90 minute drive from where we were at in, um, um, in Guanacaste. And so we would just drive up there, cross the border, go to the beach, stay a night or two in the, in an Airbnb or hotel. And then we'd come back. 
brush 90 days. So what I've read online, so I, my husband and I are planning on moving to Spain. And from what I've read online, um, we can do, you know, 90 days, um, you know, tourists just to come, come in, but they only allow you to, they, they only allow you or say that you can live there for six months out of the 12 months. Um, was that, was that supposed to be the same in Costa Rica or do they not have those kind of? Nope. They, uh. I, I think they use it as a monetary gain in all honesty. I mean, you know, Costa Rica is a very tourist destination, but you know, they charge you, uh, it's like a hundred bucks or something when you exit Costa Rica. It's mm-hmm. a significant expense from a Costa Rican dollar perspective. Gotcha. Wanna, so you weren't. I just want to mention real quick, sorry. Mm-hmm. So I have a friend that I swam with who was an Olympian who went to Spain with her family for a year. Yeah. And she had to go through the process of getting whatever they needed to to be able to stay there for a year. I can try to connect you with her in a different podcast, um, if you'd like. Yeah, that would be Sorry, great. I that would be great. Didn't mean to interrupt. No, not at all. No, that that's wonderful. Um, I'll take all the help that I can get, <laughs> and right. I and I know that these um, the listeners will be interested to hear that as well. Um, so you weren't ever worried that um, you know after ninety days you guys might they might be like nope you can't come back into the country forget your stuff, go back home. We're never worried about uh, that. You know, the, um, the rules are so different in Costa Rica. Like, so police can't pull you over. Like, they can't do a traffic stop. They do what's called, um, uh, you know, they'll, they'll do a block, a blockade that you have to come through and they'll ask you questions. But if, like, you're speeding or if you're drunk driving or um, they just, they just, they never turn on their lights to pull you over. They can only pull you over at a traffic stop. I've never heard that before. Yes. And, 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 there's, and there's just not very many. I mean, it, it, it's such an amazing country from the perspective of uh, the familiar relationships. I mean, you never see people like poor people on the street begging for money. Mm-hmm. You never see, um, you know, people, you know, it's just you don't see, you don't you know that they probably don't have a lot of money, but you never think that they're poor. Because everybody's just taken care of. Yeah, and, wow. Which is completely different than Nicaragua. Nicaragua, you literally see kids sleeping in boxes underneath porches or stoops on the street. Completely different kind of a country. Yeah, isn't that amazing? Yeah, um, I, I did visit Costa Rica a couple of years back and, and noticed the kind of the same thing. You're like, wow, why, why, how are these countries living so close but yet so different? Right. Yeah. So, so I want to know more about your experience in Costa Rica, and I'm sure other people do as well. Um, what What did you love so much about it, and were you still loving it after the 20 months of being there? Uh, to answer the last question first, yes. Um, our plan. We've been back three times since 2011 when we came back, um, and our plan is once the kids are off. Um, you know, settled in college or after college and they're kind of like settled in their lives. Um, our plan is to spend at least probably six months of the year in Costa Rica. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't know where our home base, other home base would be. Potentially Vegas again, potentially Key West, um, potentially staying in Austin. We just don't know. But we love Costa Rica and we definitely see ourselves in Costa Rica, you know, in our retirement years. Um what we loved about it the most, I think, are the beaches. Um, 
we tried surfing a few times, wakeboarding a few times, but we just love to go to the beaches, end up watching the sunset. The kids love mm-hmm. to boogie board. And so we went to probably, I don't know, 20 or 30 different beaches. And that was our Saturday and Sunday every weekend was different beaches. And those, those friends I mentioned to you who, uh, they live in Maine, um, Heather and Steve Burnham. They had three kids that are the same age as our kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's a chief engineer in an oil rig in, off the coast of Spain, actually. Um, so he's a big boating guy. So they had bought, in a, a, uh, I don't know, a 40-foot fishing boat. And uh, we befriended them. And so we would do a lot of, like, beach hopping where you couldn't drive to beaches. I mean, we saw wow. beaches that were just amazing. So I don't know if you looked through those Facebook photos, but there's some pretty cool photos of some different beaches. And actually, that boat that I was talking about, the Hey Buddy, it was in those photos. Okay. No, I didn't go through those, but I do plan on looking through them. Are you there? And then there's just, you know, there's so much interior, too. Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear okay. me? Okay. There's, there's so much interior, too, not just the uh, beaches, but we went to a lot of amazing waterfalls, um, you know, obviously the volcanoes, um, zip lining. Um, geez, butterfly farms, monkey farms. I mean, we just, every weekend was an adventure. What did you think about the food? Was it any different than what you're used to? Yes, uh, much blander. Um, but I feel like, you know, they keep their eggs on the shelf because they're yeah. all organic, you know, so you don't need to refrigerate eggs unless they go through, you know, the system that we have in the U.S. where they pasteurize them or whatever they do to them. But yeah, they just sit on the, on the shelf, which is the weirdest thing when I first saw that. Um, but I, I found, you know, there's, from a digestive pers- perspective, again, I'm, I was 40 then, I'm 50 now, or I'll be 50. Um, you know, when I eat too much gluten in the U.S., I find that I don't, you know, the, the stomach doesn't feel that great. No matter mm. what you eat in Costa Rica, everything feels normal. Like, you feel like, man, I feel like I'm getting nutrition. Okay. Just a little and bit blander. So, <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, a little bit less, yeah, a little bit less flavor. A lot of pizza places. I don't know if really? all those Italians like to go to Costa Rica. A ton of places that make pizza. All right. From a restaurant um, Was there anything that you didn't like about Costa Rica? Um... Well, the no CMs are bad. Um, which are the no what? No CMs. They're, they're like they're like mosquitoes, but they're smaller, and they come from the sand at the beach, okay. and they bite and they bite around your ankles, and so it literally is like they're like little mini mosquito bites or flea bites or whatever. They're crazy, and so it's it's only a part of the year, more during the wet season. Mm-hmm. Um. trying to think of anything I didn't like. I mean, I remember every time we flew back from, you know, either coming back to Vegas to see my parents or whatnot, just landing and being like, I'm not here for a week. I live here. You right. Know, the vacation's right. Just not going to end. Just, uh, yeah, the vacation's yeah. not going to end. Uh-huh. This, is, this is amazing. Yeah, so, um, I mean, I, I, I can't hardly think of anything I didn't like. Movie, how just the no CMs. <laughs> yeah. So back to your other question though about work though. So after about nine months, I was like, okay, I, I can't really be drinking beer at noon every day. So I got to do something. 
Mm-hmm. So we moved to we moved further south to Playa Flamingo, and the kids started going to a uh, a country day school, which is an American taught um, school that teaches K through uh, twelve. And they have a, an amazing graduation rate and and you know college acceptance rate. But anyways, so they had a twenty meter pool, a five length twenty meter pool, and you know I mm-hmm. swam at Arizona State. Um, you probably remember, maybe. Um, so, you know, I've got a big swimming background and, you know, I was, went to the 92, 96 Olympic trials. So I decided, you know, I'm going to start a swim program for, for the kids. And then it ended up also being a master's program for the parents after drop off. And so for the, the last half, the last 10, 11 months we were there, I created this business out of thin air that was, you know, making me three or $4,000 a month, which is wow. a ton of money in Costa Rica. Yeah. And I think we'd still be there today had there not been a specific event that brought us back. Um, Felicia's software uh, company, the, the boutique mm-hmm. software company, um, mm-hmm. got purchased by a very large company. And, you know, her territory was Texas. Or no, it was East, West Coast. Sorry, the West Coast. So she's like, well, we can't really stay here. They're not going to let me stay here. So we got to go back. I'm like, really? I don't think we need to go back until they tell us to go back. But no, we, so we ended up coming back. We got back to where before school started. So, and so now thinking thinking about it, um, do you feel like yes, you had to come back? They they would have really wanted her back, or do you think you could have stayed there? I don't know. I don't. Nobody else in her company does that. It might be a little progressive, but I, I will say that once the kids are gone, she's been with this company for twenty, geez, since ninety seven, twenty three years. Mm-hmm. Cause they just carried over her tenure from the company they bought. Um, so, you know, I, I think that when the kids are actually gone, especially if this zoom meeting, no flying quarantine thing is a, is a proven concept and still lets people close deals, you know, close business. I'm wondering yeah. if, if, if she would be able to say, well, listen, I, I close business from anywhere. I mean, why do I need to be in Austin? Like, my company, all my clients are on the West Coast. Why can't I be in Costa Rica? So, no, it'll be interesting. Uh, yeah, so this, again, yeah. another another event that can be seen as bad could actually be something good for you guys. Who knows? Mm-hmm. All right. So, did you guys need to know Spanish while you guys were there? Um, Felice, Felice's dad is, is actually from Guadalajara. So, she mm-hmm. knew a little bit of Spanish. Um, I learned Spanish, uh, much better before we left than when I got there. First bar we would go to the waitresses who all spoke English too, but I would always ask for the check in Spanish and I would always say El Checo and they're like, dude, you've been here for like nine months. It's like, cuenta, figure it out. And so I made my, forced myself to, you know, figure out. How do you ask for the check? But yeah, I mean, I would say I'm really good at restaurant Spanish, uh, grocery store Spanish, and gas station Spanish. You know, the things that you need to get by. And I can and I can think about a, a phrase to say to you and mm-hmm. say it, you know, say it perfectly. And then as soon as you speak back to me, you're probably going to come rapidly. And I'm going to be like, oh, no, 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 no. Despacio, por favor. Despacio. And then I just start speaking English again. So, no, you don't need to know Spanish. Uh, no, okay. No. Okay. I think it's good if but, you do. But yeah, if you do, you know, people people will respond well or they'll will they just speak to you in English knowing that you speak English better? 
So I had a friend of mine who's a real estate agent from Denver who speaks really amazing Spanish. Mm-hmm. And he told me something that's unique. So however you first address somebody in whatever language you address them in, when you first meet them, mm-hmm. they'll always respond to you in that language. So gotcha. if you know Spanish and you speak to somebody that speaks Spanish, even though they know you know English and they know English in Spanish, they're always going to talk to you in Spanish. Okay. And I found Good that for to be pretty true. Now. Yeah. yeah. I that to be pretty true. Yeah, I, I'm definitely a lover of languages. And so I tend to not like to go to places where they speak a lot of English because I like to practice my language. So if they're going to talk to me in English, well, I even even though I want I want the struggle, you know, I want the struggle. I want to mess up and get better. If they speak to me in English, I'm already like, boo, I don't like this place. Well, and so Mexican Spanish and Costa Rican Spanish, you probably know, are completely, there's a lot of different di- dialects. I mean, there's a lot of different uh, nuances that are different. And I hear yeah. Spain, I've not been to Spain, but I hear Spain Spanish is like very proper. It's like English, English. Yeah, I mean, I don't know because I'm not I'm not a native Spanish speaker. So I don't know how it sounds to, um, you know, a Spanish speaker ear about, I just, I mean, I know the difference, but I don't know, you know, I don't know what like a country accent for a Spanish speaker sounds like, you know what I mean? I'm just like, oh, that sounds different. Well, here's the here's the uh, comparison that we use. So when you go to when you go to uh, coast, or, I mean, to New Mexico or Mexico, they say "con mucho gusto" or uh-huh. something like that. Where in Costa Rica they just say "pura vida," right? They, sure. they, they would never say "con mucho gusto" in Costa Rica. No, never. Right? No, so it's, just, it's not that the language is different. It's just how they speak about different things is widely different. Oh yeah, like Costa Ricans are the hippie, the hippie Mexicans. <laughs> <laughs> I love that term. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Question. Um. So, what would you say? What would you say to somebody that wants to move to Costa Rica, whether they have kids or they don't have kids? Um. What would you say the first thing that they should do is? Um. So, if you have revenue and you don't have to work, that's awesome. But what I would say, and this goes back to our honeymoon days, so 2002, we were at this um, really cool little bar run, run by this American woman in Capos, which is by Menlo Antonio, and uh, they were living there, this, this, these expats were living there, and they're like, how, do you, how, how did you find a job, or what did you do? And he goes, just look around. Just look around at what people are doing, or what people are not doing, and go, what is needed here? Like, what could be a thing that people need here? Mm-hmm. Because they don't restrict you from working. To, no? To my knowledge. Yeah, you don't even need a real estate license. It's all real estate. Huh. And so, like, did you have, I guess, did you have to pay taxes or, like, worry about getting an LLC or anything while you were there? Oh, man. That's a bummer. Are you there? I'm here. Okay. Okay. Yes. So did you have to get um, an LLC or worry about taxes or anything like that while you were there? Nothing. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that that's probably, I'm not saying if you're, if you know, if you're going to move there for a, a significant period of time, that it might be a good idea to do a little bit more research on that. Um, and I did some research on getting like our, uh, I call it a resident card or whatever. You, know, you have to be a part of their their healthcare program, and and it's not even expensive necessarily. But the easiest way to do that is to uh, either be, excuse me, 
either to invest in, in real estate. I think it's like $200,000 or $250,000 was the minimum real estate investment. Uh, or the second way to get that done was if you were retired and you had your Social Security automatically deposited or directly deposited into their banking system, mm-hmm. it's super easy to get a resident visa. Okay. That doesn't mean you're doesn't mean doesn't mean you're a citizen. It means you have a resident visa, so you don't have to leave. Gotcha. So when I'm rich at thirty, I can you know I can have a retirement account and and uh, have it go in there and be a resident. Are you still not thirty? <laughs> no, I'm not thirty. Well, I, I, at least you didn't say, are you even, are you even 20? <laughs> Cause I get that too. I know. Um, okay. So just, just look around. You think you, so you think just being an entre- be an entrepreneur, you know, look, Correct. look and, and find something that's needed and you can make money. Absolutely. So how my whole swimming thing started, not just because I had a swimming background, but so I was swimming with a friend that was a triathlete. And I was just helping her with her swimming because most triathletes are really good at biking and running and are not that good at swimming. Just works out that way. Um, but anyway, so I was helping her with her stroke. And she's like, oh, my God, will you teach my kids? And so I started teaching, like, I don't know, three or four kids. And they were freaking loving it. I'm like, oh, this is amazing. And then um, it turned out that, you know, I was looking for a pool in the area and there just wasn't one. And then I found the pool at the school. And that's when I decided – well, I didn't decide. The people we were leasing our house from, which, mm-hmm. was, which was amazing, by the way, um, they decided they didn't want to do long-term rental anymore because they wanted to be able to visit Costa Rica. So we knew we had to move. So I, I went looking for a pool. I actually tried to – I actually was seeking, I was seeking out investors to build me a 50-meter pool. Because if I knew if I had a 50-meter pool, I could literally bring down Olympic teams. Right. I mean, I know so many Olympians from my era. It's crazy. Wow, I, that would be really cool. Do you think you, that's still something that you might do or think about doing? I think it, I think it will be, yes. Yeah, wow. Yeah, so I still have the page set up. It was Costa Rica Dreams Swim Camp on Facebook. Nice, you're keeping it, keeping it for well, the next just, time you guys go there. It's archived. I mean, it's still there, and you can find it, but yeah. So let's talk about the the um, logistics of living. As far as cost of living, what does that look like? So uh, we and I'm, rented, I, and I'm no, sure no. that I'm sure that it can vary. Obviously, depending on Widely. you know how Widely. fancy, right? Yes. Okay. So we Go went ahead. we went more we went more fancy but cheaper on the front side. So we rented a four bedroom four bath house uh, again quarter mile from the ocean up on a cliff in Okatal. Wow. Um, and it was 2000 a month. Mm-hmm. It, had a, it had a pool in front of the house, which kind of looks like the back of the house, but it's the front of the house, staring down at the bay, um, Papagayo Bay. And it was $2,000 a month. Easily we, a million dollar house in the US. Oh yeah. Easily, oh, multi-millions. Oh, yeah. It was oh, a right. $7 million house there. I mean, if it, that house was in California, it'd be worth 4,000 square feet, I don't need to be worth a couple million, three million, four million, five million. Yeah. And so the cheapest thing in Costa Rica is like help or care, right? So to have a housekeeper, it's like 20 bucks a day. Wow. So you guys had a housekeeper too? We did, yes. 
that's the way to live, man. I want a housekeeper so bad. <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, we pay our we pay our housekeeper now 120 bucks a week of just to come for one day on Fridays. So it's like so that's a very inexpensive. I know. <laughs> you could if you wanted to. You just choose not to. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. But I mean, I plan on living abroad and hopefully having cheaper help. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, gas, relatively the same price, I would say. Um, I'd say food, relatively the same price. I say alcohol is about the same price it is in the store, but it's the same price in the store as it is in the bars. Mm. It's like a bottle of beer is a buck and a bottle of beer at the bar is a buck. It's like really weird. Okay. Um, um, what else? You know, travel's gotten actually pretty inexpensive. We were going to go this summer, but of course, with the pandemic, we decided not to. Um, but I mean, flights to Costa Rica back when we were coming back and forth, it was about seven hundred bucks a ticket. And now, if you have flexible travel, you can get back and forth for like four hundred. Mm-hmm. So it's not crazy like it was. Well, it doesn't sound like Costa Rica is that much cheaper living than than the U.S. From what well, I'm hearing. So the second house we lived in, three bedroom, two bath house, still had a pool, was nine hundred bucks a month. Okay. It's and it was different. only it was a half mile from the beach, but it was on flatland, so we couldn't see the ocean. Okay. And that was Playa Flamingo. So yeah, I mean, listen, you could probably as a if you were a, a couple that didn't have kids. You could easily get a find a place to live that was four or five hundred bucks a month. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That, that sounds nice. Yeah. So it's Very a, close a, to the beach. a bit cheaper, but it's not this. This isn't the kind of place like like Thailand or China or you know. It's, it's definitely not. It's definitely not like third, like you know, third world developing, super, super, super cheap. You know, if if you are on a tight budget, um, maybe this isn't necessarily. The place you want to start off with, maybe when you have a, a just you know a little bit more money, that maybe maybe Costa Rica is maybe yeah, a, I think a, a Costa Rica, above that. I think, I think Costa Rica is probably the Rolls Royce of Central and South America. Yeah. As far as as far as cost perspective. Okay. Okay. So the other places that you visited were a lot cheaper, like Nicaragua. Nicaragua way cheaper. Panama, at least probably twenty percent cheaper. Mm-hmm. Um, I've not been to Belize, but I've heard Belize is, is pretty, um, more on the inexpensive side. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's next on my list. Please. Yeah. Yeah. I've never been there. Um, I got invited to go there. Um, but you know, saving up for the big dream. Nice. <laughs> Move abroad. Dude, Spain I hear is amazing. I mean, I think you'll love it. So what, yeah, is that, so what is that plan? We visited Spain this summer, um, and we decided that um, come January 1st, we plan to go to the Philippines for three months because my husband is um, half Filipino, so we want to go spend um, time there and then go to Spain for a year after the three months of Philippines. Wow. So that's a plan. Yeah, I, I got to get my... My passport renewed and then um, buy the tickets. You know, sometimes you just got to make the decision, right? And then you'll figure out the rest. Dude, we seriously pulled the trigger. We uh, we went to Costa Rica um, about 60 days before we actually moved and looked at 10 different houses. Mm-hmm. And then we decided on this house. And once we pulled the trigger on the house, 
everything, the ball just started growing downhill. I mean, and it went fast. And I mean, when you leave a country with 10 bags, two kids and four passports, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's nuts. We did buy a car right when we got there. Oh, I did want to mention that. So, um, you know, owning a vehicle isn't like owning a vehicle in the States. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's because there's not really any need for car insurance there. Um, I don't even know if you can get car insurance there, but so you buy a vehicle in a corporation's name. So yes, I did have an LLC. Uh-huh. Uh, I didn't set it up because it, it's like you buy the LLC that owns the car. That, I don't understand why. What, what's the difference? Why do they do that that way? So that if you ever get in an accident, hurt somebody, um, whatever happens, that you can't be held liable. Only the corporation can be held liable. And the only asset the corporation has is the vehicle you were driving. So your car is gone and the, the other people might, might be out of their car. <laughs> it just, it's basically, it's just an unfortunate event. Yes. And it, and it is. But I did want to mention that because, you know, we were able to buy and sell our vehicles and they retain their value very well. So mm-hmm. we bought a, I think it was like a 2006 Nissan Pathfinder. I bought it for 17000 when we got there. And then 20 months later, I sold it for 16000 Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's not typical with cars in the States, right? You don't typically buy yeah. something and sell it for almost the same price that you bought it for two years later. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I guess, I don't really know too much about cars, so I'll leave it to you to be the expert on that one. <laughs> well, so here's an example. of uh, So if, if you were to bring a car to Costa Rica from the States, um, the, the country, in order for, to allow you to import that car into the States or into Costa Rica, they would charge you a 50% tax on the value that they deem that car is worth. Wow. And you have to pay that before the car can get into the country. No way. That's yeah. not worth it. So that's why people just, I mean, these cars that are older, I mean, I, you know, I mean, they just buy a, They just buy a corporation that owns a car and then they sell the corporation when they leave. There you go, guys. If you wanted to get a car while you are in Costa Rica. Now you know how to do it. Yes, ma'am. Keith Dennison is our professional. <laughs> um, so we've talked about logistics. I guess, do you, do you feel like we're missing anything? What, any, any part of the Costa Rican experience that we're missing for, for the audience? Um... Just definitely get out there, you know, do all the sports things. The ocean is your friend. It's your life. It's everything. I mean, we deep sea fished. We scuba dived. Um, we beach hopped. I mean, everything that we did was lived in life by the ocean. I mean, the ocean was everything. So I definitely So if you don't that, like the ocean, don't go. <laughs> well, don't go to that part of Costa Rica. I mean, again, again Costa Rica has seven ecosystems. Okay. So, so you can be like near... Uh, San Jose, which is the capital, you know, it's more like, tro- it's not tropical, it's more like a rainforesty, but like cold rainforesty. You know what I mean? And there's, you know, great river rafting on the, on the east side of Costa Rica. Um, we did that for our honeymoon in 02. Um, awesome waterfalls. So Guanacaste, again, is that Pacific Northwest province. Uh, so they run uh, dry season from pretty much Thanksgiving to Mother's Day. And then over the summer, it starts creeping into the rainy season. And by August, mm-hmm. September, October, it's really a, a poor time to go to Guanacaste. 
but it's beautiful in San Jose at that time. It's just, wow. so it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's just an interesting country. And it's crazy that you say that and that there are so many ecosystems because Costa Rica is pretty small. I, I think I, I took a bus from like the bottom, the bottom of Costa Rica to the top of Costa Rica. And it was like, I don't know, 10 hours or something like that. It was yep. just like, yep. it's just a very, like within that tiny amount of country, um, you just can experience so much. Right. And from east to west is big too. If you came from Panama to Nicaragua, is that, is that the way you went? Um, no, uh, I don't know. Uh, no, just, just, the, just like the, yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> yeah. I so just you, remember the, like the bottom, like look from the bottom to the top, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's North to South or South to North. No, um, yeah, no, it's, yeah. But so there's, there's almost like a, a continental divide in the middle of Costa Rica, which, which is a pretty big mountain range where all the volcanoes are. So then you have, you know, the Pacific side is a little bit more. Um, uh, what's the word it's a little more developed and then the Atlantic side is a little bit more like Jamaica Rastafarian kind of like really off the grid kind of thing I've heard that I didn't make it over to the Atlantic side I would love to go back to Costa Rica sometime um, and experience that did you guys end up going we went for our honeymoon and we did mm. a rafting trip on that side, but we never got to any of the towns on the coast. Sounds like you had plenty of things to do while you guys were we did, where yeah. you were. Yeah. yeah. Um, great. Well, um, Keith, um, I just want to shout out Keith for being here on the interview. Um, and I always like to plug uh, my interviewers or my interviewees and uh, support their businesses. Uh, if you guys enjoyed what Keith had to say, you thought it was valuable. Um, this is where you can find Keith. Keith, you have a couple businesses, right? I do. Uh, my main business um, is is transportation. I do a lot of uh, bachelor bachelorette parties uh, here in Austin, Texas. I've got a 12 passenger Sprinter van. I've got a 2020 Cadillac Escalade. So I do a lot of black car service. Um, and you can find me at Transportation Star. Just Google it. And uh, and then I'm also in the liquor business. And our CEO's grandmother was a bootlegger in Iowa in the 1930s. And we have two labels. We have the Iowa Legendary Rye label. And we have the Sextro label, S-E-X-T-R-O, because that was Lorraine Sextro's last name. And there's going to be some big media coming out about that Sextro Rye label over the next 30 days. So look for those fun ad campaigns. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Keith, for being on the show with us. I'm, I'm so excited to re-listen to this and pick up all the things that um, you've said and just go over it again. Um, thank you so much again for being on this the show. I really appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye.